Welcome to Police Radio Podcast, episode number five. I'm your host, Billy Morrison. In this episode, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, one of the most basic functions of a police officer, and that is patrolling. Um, again, this, this entire series is intended to help lift some of the mystery around policing, uh, to help dispel misconceptions and things like that. And so I think it just makes sense to, in the early stages, start with very fundamental stuff, uh, simple stuff, and then uh, perhaps expand into our complexity of the examination of the world of policing as the episodes go by. And so for today, I thought patrolling would be a good place to start because there is, as I've indicated in the past few episodes, probably more to it than, than you might realize. Patrolling takes lots of different forms. Uh, patrol driving is one that I think a lot of people will probably think of. It can be any number of vehicles that are used for patrol driving. The obvious, the obvious one's the police car. It's a pretty common vehicle and around the world, uh, that type of vehicle or class of vehicle. Uh, tactical vans can be used in patrol driving. A lot of times tactical units will also patrol as a part of their function just to be out there and ready to respond uh, at a moment's notice. And so they've got to be ready to go and fully geared up and in their vehicle when the call comes in. Other vehicles that are used are motorcycles, ATVs, watercraft like boats and things like that, bicycles, horseback, and on foot, just to name a few. There are a couple of fundamental tasks that are are achieved through patrolling. One is uh, pretty obvious. It's to see what's going on in the community, to be out there on the street and uh, in the parks and the neighborhoods and things like that. To, to be a presence and to be seen. So see and be seen are, are pretty key in patrol driving. And so that's why a lot of patrol vehicles are generally uh, pretty well clearly marked to have that presence, that visible presence in the community. Um, sometimes you might hear the phrase flying the flag, and that's the way we used to refer to it uh, when we were out there just simply patrolling around, letting the community know that we're here and uh, being seen in doing that. That achieves deterrence um, in lots of ways. Um, even myself, if I see a police car and I'm driving, one of the first things I do is look at my speed. How fast am I going? <laughs> so it is a pretty effective deterrence tool when the police are out and visibly present in communities. So it helps with that. Um, for a lot of people, that this is reassuring. Uh, it's some, nice to know, I think, for, for a lot of folks that the, the police are out there, particularly if there have been a series of perhaps uh, highly visible crimes like robberies or, or other criminal actions or suspicious activities that have been reported in the media. It can help to make people feel better when the police uh, increase their patrols in those areas, as well as helping to deter it, which I think those two things probably go hand in hand quite often. Other considerations in, in patrolling that are maybe less obvious. I know I just a few sentences ago, I used the phrase simply patrolling, um, which as so many phrases are, is kind of a little misleading. Um, there's actually very little that is truly simple about patrolling. Um, it's a it's a function that the police perform quite often, and they do it a lot. And so for a lot of police officers, it becomes pretty automatic, the skill sets involved with it. But I can remember when I was brand new and uh, going through my training, learning the basic fundamental skills of patrolling. 
even the driving of the police car itself um, at the police college on a track with the lights and the other equipment that's in that car, it increases the complexity just of the task of driving. And then in addition to that, and, and the nice thing I think about the way that I was trained in the jurisdiction where I worked was that it was it was um, a very sort of crawl before you walk and walk before you run sort of training that we were put through where you had to have a driver's license in order to apply to be a candidate. So, you know, the basics of operating a, a car were were there in all of the recruits. But then even at that, they would take us and they would review things like controlling skids, emergency stops, and and that sort of thing before they even put us behind the wheel of a practice car in a practice environment, and that being a controlled track type situation. So there was a lot of that review of some of the basics that we might have got years earlier in defensive driving courses or uh, young driving courses, that kind of stuff. So there was a lot of that review, reinforced, then get to practice that um, on the track under totally, well, you know, as safe of conditions as could possibly be created. No members of the public were were not, you know, roaming the streets while we were practicing in that situation. Uh, There were cones set up to mimic various situations, and there was water put down on the track and that sort of thing. Um, And then instructors in the car with us who uh, maybe had a, an extra brake pedal on their side and that sort of stuff to help us not get into too much hot water as we're practicing those basic skills. From there, we would go into actually taking that practice patrol vehicle out on a community road, a you know, public road, and driving in that environment. And that was just to ease us into the... A reality that I've actually got quite a bit of feedback from you, you guys on um, from an earlier episode, where I sort of quickly touched on how the the driving of the public changes when a police car appears, particularly with lights and sirens, but also the driving of the public changes just when a police car appears. So learning how to deal with that and and the kinds of things to expect from members of the public when they see that police car that you might be driving. Um, was a, a learning another learning process in itself. Uh, we would get to experience how effective things like lights and sirens are during different conditions. You know, in broad daylight, the lights are not terribly effective at attracting attention. Um, sirens, if you're doing a, a, a high speed response type situation to an emergency and you're driving quickly above the speed limit, um, and you have your siren on, it's pretty interesting to notice when it's brought to your attention and really clearly shown to you how ineffective even the siren is. So if you're in a car driving down the road at at the speed limit and a police car is approaching you from from behind and you don't see it and it has its full audible sirens going and you know that this is a drill for you to notice, when do you hear the sirens? It's uh, a pretty eye-opening thing to to actually realize it's almost when when the cruiser is right up on you it will be the first that you'll probably hear it. And that's without a radio on inside the car or any other um, sources of noise. So check your blind spots, check your mirrors when you're driving because they can be coming up quite quickly and uh, they're often not noticed. And then sometimes when people do notice them, it can be a bit of a, a bit of a panic. So if you're out there driving around, just, you know, always, it's always a safe thing to do. Check your mirrors, check your blind spots at all times or on that regular sort of scanning that you're doing while you're driving. 
Uh, scanning itself is another thing that is taught to police officers when they're learning to patrol. And the scanning that the police do uh, on patrol driving or any kind of patrol, whether it's bicycle, horseback, motorcycle, uh, what have you, is a very active thing to do. It's a very active um, process where you're you're really looking and observing as much as you possibly can. You're looking at all the other vehicles that you can possibly see, taking a note of, you know, make, model, license plate numbers if you can, all of those kinds of things, because there's a lot of information that you're given on uh, what, we, what we called parade. So that first, that first sort of pre-shift meeting, when you first arrive at the beginning of your shift, we'd all get together and go through, you know, things that we're looking out for that may be wanted parties that may be in the area or possibly in the area stolen vehicles that have been reported, all of that kind of thing, missing persons, descriptions, all those things are given to us at the start of the shift. And then when we're doing our patrol driving, that's a great time to to be scanning and looking because when you notice something um, that might remind you of something that you heard about on parade, it's a, it's a good thing to know. So that sort of scanning is something that uh, police officers get quite good at doing all the time. Um, and they just eventually it becomes almost habitual that they do that. It can also be observed by uh, the public as as something quite different. You know, you might see a police car traveling what looks to be sort of slowly for some reason. You know, they may be at or below the speed limit or even substantially below the speed limit. And that officer may have noticed something or they might be uh, observing something that may or may not be clear to you as to what they're doing. So just to exercise caution when you see that sort of thing, um, that, that police car can uh, pretty quickly change its status from going, you know, 25 kilometers an hour below the speed limit to all of a sudden throwing its emergency equipment, lights and sirens on and doing a U-turn. So, um, you know, hopefully the officer will do that in a safe way. But if, if you, if you see that, just recognize that something's going on there and uh, just be cautious yourself. Um, things that they are looking for, obviously pedestrians, other vehicles, road users, anything suspicious, sometimes hazards, you know, sometimes I've found things like tree branches down on electric wires, uh, electric wires that have, have been knocked down and they're laying across the road, garbage or other debris on the road. You see those kinds of things and, and hopefully take care of them so that, uh, they're not, you know, that hazard doesn't exist any longer. And then there's the more... I think it's pretty safe to say more important uh, and critical considerations. Now, this goes beyond scanning. And and what we're talking about here is their location. Where am I to a police officer is critical information that they need to know at all times. And it sounds so simple and it sounds like a really basic thing for me to say, you know, it's important for the police officer to know where they are at all times. Because to even to my ears, I can hear how that can be interpreted as, come on, that's pretty ridiculous. We all know where we are at all times. You know, I'm right now, I'm in the bedroom of my home recording this podcast. I'm sitting on a chair. I know exactly where I am. Wherever you happen to be right now listening to this, you probably know exactly where you are. Um, but in patrol driving situations and in police driving situations, with the scanning that's going on and the looking and the, you know, the observing of your situation around you, the observing of other vehicles, knowing where you are 
can become quite difficult, a lot more difficult than it sounds. And, it, and I can imagine that this probably sounds a little bit funny, but it's really easy for the new recruit police officer, their first even several months behind the wheel of the cruiser, for them to lose track of where they are. Because of the scanning, because of the things that are going on, and because of the random nature that patrol driving can take, um, if they are not on their way to a call or on their way to do something specific, uh, and even when they are, sometimes they forget, which street am I on? What's the name of this street? Um, And that may be something that you'll be able to relate to yourself if you follow you know, your GPS system in your car or use Google Maps while you're driving to help you get from A to B, the roads and the names of those streets and roads that you're using are probably not something that you know at every single moment. But in the the world of the police, when they are working, it's very important for them to know. And I would argue it's probably more important for everyone to know than we probably realize. But when you consider that, if all of a sudden something was to happen, if, uh, you know, they observe a crime in progress or they get into a car accident and they need to call for help or they need to request assistance because they see, you know, two or three people going into a, a liquor store with guns. <laughs> they need other officers there. They have to know where they are. And, and it could be something that they need to know where they are right now. They need to know without checking, without looking, without anything to know that I'm at the corner of, you know, 7th Avenue and Broadway, you know, and and have that specificity of exactly where they are in a moment. Push the radio, key it up, broadcast their location because they need help right now. So that knowing where they are is critically important to the police officers when they're patrolling and and at all times, actually, um, knowing their exact location is really, really important. Related to that is that this whole time as they're driving around scanning and and looking, being on the lookout and and keeping track of where they are, the radio in their car, if they they work in any kind of a jurisdiction where there's, you know, more than a handful of other people um, working on their shift, that radio can be pretty busy. Um, Even in some instances where it's only three other people on that, on the shift. And I've worked in, in, in environments like that myself at times it can be quite busy but as the numbers of people that you're working with go up and in a large service you might be working with 25 or 40 different people and who all are using that same radio frequency you also it's very important to keep track of what your teammates are doing what are the other officers doing where are they so what you have now is you're driving a car you're driving a police car you're patrolling, you're keeping a lookout, you're scanning, you're keeping track of your location, and you're also trying to listen to every comment on the radio. Not even trying, it is imperative that you're listening to every comment that comes across that radio. Who is saying what, where are they, and what's going on with them? Because you may need to go and help them. Without a moment's notice, you may need to go there. So it's helpful to know who am I close to, who is nearby, you know, if one of these people calls and I'm only three blocks away, then I might be the closest person to them. And it's really important that I know where they are. Um, And then if it's somebody who's further away and you know that, oh, they're in a different neighborhood or they're in a slightly different, you know, uh, substantially different patrol zone and they're maybe four or five, 10 minutes driving away, something like that, then there is a little bit more time 
to figure out how to get there. And oftentimes there'll be maps in the cruiser as well. A lot like you have the GPS in your car, um, that'll help you figure out where that person is and how to get there to help them. But keeping your ear to that and keeping track of all that is uh, something that takes a while to learn and takes a while to get pretty good at, but it's really important to get good at. And, And constantly listening to that, that radio becomes a skill in itself. And it's actually, uh, pretty interesting if you have the opportunity ever to become a police officer and, and to, to have that ability tested by your coach officer. It can be very humbling. Um, I'll admit on more than one occasion, my coach officer would, out of the blue, just ask me as I'm driving, who was that? And in all honesty, I would say, I would. the answer would be, I don't even know what you're talking about. And what they were saying was, who was the last person to broadcast something over the police radio. And when you're new, it's so difficult. With everything else you have going on driving that car, um, it's really, really difficult. And all of these things translate to whether you're driving the regular cruiser, uh, tactical van, operating the police motorcycle, an ATV, on bicycle, on horseback, or on foot. Those same skill sets apply to any kind of patrol and then the complexity shifts you know if you're a motorcycle operator now learning how to operate that motorcycle while doing all of those things it's a whole new um it's a whole new game uh i can't i was not a i never worked on horseback but i can imagine it's probably an entirely different experience as well Uh, foot patrolling i used to love that it's a little bit slower speed obviously and it's much quieter, and you get to see and hear, I think, quite a bit more when you do that. So it was a, I, I liked it. It was a richer patrol experience, I thought, as well as put you in more close contact with the community. So there were more face to face conversations and that sort of thing. And the, the one um, unique patrol experience that I got to have that not a lot of police officers get to have was a motorcycle operator. And probably my favorite aspect of that was the, much greater interaction with the public. I think at the time I can remember reflecting and just sort of ballparking the numbers, but it was something like it had to have been for every person who walked up to the side of my cruiser and tapped on the glass, or if it was warm weather and I had the window down, every person approached me while I was in a police cruiser, there had to have been 40 or 50 people would approach me when I was a motorcycle operator. The motorcycle just sort of takes those walls down, and I really enjoyed that. There was a lot of uh, opportunity to talk to the public um, and and have that interaction with them, which I always thought was uh, a lot of fun. Other things that that the police do while they're on patrol and that are sometimes questioned by the public or uh, criticized even are um, what I would call meets, where you might see two police cruisers side by side in a parking lot. You've probably seen that somewhere. Um, and there's lots of reasons for those meets and they're not, it's hard to categorize them in one sort of basket. You know, uh, sometimes it is two officers having coffee and taking a break. Sometimes that's what's going on. Other times, um, they are, they're debriefing. Uh, they may have been at a call and they might be talking about how that call went, uh, things that they may have done differently, things that they, you know, um, from a tactical perspective or a learning perspective, it may be a senior constable or a senior officer, a sergeant, something like that, talking to a newer, newer officer about uh, the way the call went down and how it happened, and you know 
where people were and what was going on and all that kind of thing. Uh, and sometimes it's a um, like a, a bit of a staging before they're going to do something. They may be on their way to execute a warrant or they may be on their way to, uh, you know, try to locate a missing kid at a, a location where they believe that kid might be, you know, a friend's house or something like that. So they'll get there and talk about the information that they've got before they go on to their next location. So there's lots of reasons why you may see two police cruisers or police vehicles of different kinds sitting side by side. Um, and it's not just, uh, you know, that they don't have anything better to do, actually. <laughs> uh, very rarely, I think, that's the case, you know. Um, not having anything better to do, that's when they're taking a break and having a coffee. And uh, in most police jurisdictions, at least that I'm aware of, they're so busy that they're very, very grateful if they get that opportunity to do that at all. So, um, yeah, so you never really know what's going on when you see those two cars side by side. And the other thing too, is that even if they are just getting together to have a coffee, they'll often do it in a location that gives them uh, quick response times to, you know, um, good traffic arteries. So, you know, good through highways or good busy or not busy roads, but big roads that can take them to lots of different places. Um, just because if something, if a call does come in being there and being central, allows them to get to a lot of different locations quite quickly from where they are given their area of uh, responsibility and also helps to, to create that visible presence that uh, has that deterrent effect and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, so that's, uh, that's some of the stuff I think that maybe helps to increase your understanding of uh, the job of policing in a really fundamental way. A um, little bit shorter of an episode today. I have been getting a lot of great feedback and I'll be, incorporating that and um and sort of uh using that to help guide future episodes so thank you all very much for that and i hope you have a great day and i'll see you on episode six coming up sometime next week thanks very much